0: Welcome to Pace and Freedom. I am your host, James Pace, and thank you for joining me on another amazing episode. Today I have Marine Corps veteran Andrew McLaren, also known as an American film and television actor, activist, private investigator, and overall an amazing person now running for mayor in 2021, the city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. But before we get started, I want to make a special announcement. Right now, at Just CDB, you can get Mother Nature's Secret Miracle Ingredients, CDB, in a variety of products for 25% off when you use the link in the description, then use the discount code LOVECDB. But remember, you must use the link below, that way you will also be supporting this podcast. Just CDB knows the importance of making quality CDB products like delicious gummy bears, relaxing bath bombs, and even treats for man's best friend. So again, use the link below and use discount code LOVECDB for your 25% discount. Now, without further ado, enjoy this episode. Well, Welcome, Andrew, to Pace and Freedom podcast. It's such a privilege to have you on. Let's get started with a brief introduction of yourself. Hey, what's
1: up? My name's Andrew McLaren. Uh, so I was in the Marines, went to Liberia and Iraq, got back, uh, honorably discharged from the Marine Corps, went over as a Department of State contractor, protected uh, the assistant ambassador, who is the vice ambassador Specter in 06. Since then, I've done a lot of uh, executive protection missions all over the world. I just got back from Kenya a few days ago. And I've protected a bunch of celebrities, things like that. (laughs) And it's pretty much where I'm at. I'm a a licensed Tennessee private investigator. Uh, Sometimes uh, I do acting on TV shows like Chrome Underground, on Discovery Channel, Weaponizers, and uh, Stars and Stripes on NBC. And then I've done some movies, such as Battle for Aditha, that we filmed in Jordan. And uh, occasionally I'll do stunts uh, that I did in a movie called Death of Gandhi, and I got to do the stunts for that in Sri Lanka. So between bodyguarding people, doing private investigations, I'm back home in Tennessee, hanging out with my kids. I've got three kids: Zoe, she's seven, almost eight, and then my boys are ten and eleven. Alex is ten, almost eleven, and Andrew is eleven, going on twelve. Nice. And oh yeah, and I'm, I'm running for mayor. I was gonna, I was about to
0: ask. I was like, you yeah. know, you're also pursuing a political career.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't like to say that I'm a politician. I I think I'm a public servant. I'm running for mayor as an independent in 2021. And the main reason I'm running is because I'm tired of seeing the status quo, ignoring first responders, ignoring veterans, and just not looking out for the overall best interests of regular, everyday Americans. Our homeless population has just keeps going up and up. And I feel that far often, you know, only 10% of people in our city are voting for in these elections, in these local elections. And everyday people's, uh, interests are overlooked. And we get people that are basically only looking out for their cronies instead of the actual constituents in the, in the city. So I figured I'd throw my hat into the arena and I would give it my best shot to hold people accountable and also, uh, try to win.
0: There you go. And good on you. I mean, I uh, recently talked to Cash Jackson. He was the gubernatorial candidate in Illinois. And same thing, you know, he sees it more than being a politician. It's serving. It's just another way to serve. He served 20 years in the Navy. And, you know, he thought what better way to serve than to run for a public office and continually ser- continue to serve the people and uh, supporting the Constitution. So,
1: Right. Exactly. You know, at first, obviously, when you tell people like, hey, I'm running for mayor, it sounds very self-aggrandizing and kind of arrogant. But you have to explain that veterans have a long history of being in an elected office. Right. And I think now with Dan Crenshaw winning uh, and, and other veterans who have won, like Seth Moulton up in Massachusetts, you realize that it really is just a continuation of, of serving. Right. And it's definitely possible. We have the backgrounds. I think, is being veterans of getting to travel around the world and meet people from all walks of life and getting to serve along, you know, a really talented group of people that, why not? Why does it always have to be a lawyer? I'm not putting attorneys down, but, you know, in the history of Chattanooga, it seems to always be that attorneys are winning, and that's great. They've got a great, you know, grasp of the law, but far too often it ends up being, like, multi-millionaire attorneys that end up winning. And they aren't looking out, like with the current mayor right now, I feel that he's not looking out for just everyday Americans. He's looking out for his multimillionaire buddies as, right. as opposed to just, you know, like the firefighter or the teacher or the cop or the construction worker. Um So I want to be that guy that's bridging the divide. You know, I do want to stimulate the economy and bring in big business, but I also want to get teachers paid more money. I want to get right. cops paid more money. I want to get firefighters paid more money because right now they're severely underpaid and mm-hmm. it's, it's hurting our entire city. It's hurting our kids. It's hurting uh, the single mom that's in the projects that wants to be able to give her kids a better way of life. Um, so that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be the guy that, you know, can be everybody's candidate, not just the people that vote for me, but uh, the people that, that might, second-guess my motivations. I I want to earn people's trust, earn people's vote, and go to every door in the city, utilize the Socratic method, and talk to everybody, and
0: find out their ideas and their solutions for the city. Absolutely. There's a bit of a divide in your city right now with this BID, which is the Business Investment District of Chattanooga. So what is the BID exactly?
1: All right. Well, I, first of all, it, it's confusing because I've seen it characterized as a business investment district, and I've also seen it listed as a business improvement district. Okay. Uh, for me, it's a misnomer. It seems to be sort of a vulture capitalist cash grab that a woman named Kim White, along with the mayor, Meredy Burke, they created to essentially auction off part of the city to a private board that the mayor would be in control of and that Kim White would be in control of to where they're forcing uh, businesses in the city, in parts of downtown, to pay taxes to fund this board. It's kind of like a, an HOA in a way, but it's an example of taxation on representation. And they want to have a private police force where they're going to push out homeless people and a lot of minority-owned businesses. And that's why the NAACP is suing over this, because it's essentially an elitist type power grab to where they're they're pushing out regular businesses out of the city and they only want to have kind of uh, businesses that are already in bed with big business and with the elites controlling this section of the city. And it's dangerous because we want to be able to control our city as taxpayers. And this is taking away control from taxpayers and putting it into the hands of a select few who happen to be multi-millionaires and they're part of the elite in the city so that's why i'm opposed to it
0: right and this is you know a lot of people i've I've read a few articles about it and you know the mayor and this uh, board kind of are trying to sell it as this capitalist free market type of deal but it really isn't that it's basically just a way to keep the mayor in power even if he's no longer mayor he will still have power over the, this part of the city, if not the rest of the city, right?
1: Yeah, I see the smoke and mirrors. You know, they, they'll give it a fancy name, they'll dress it up, Business Improvement District, Business Investment District. But it's, again, taking away control from civilians being able to decide what's going to happen in our city. Because we're not going to be able to directly um, have oversight, because this is going to be a board right. that's picked by the elites in the city. We need to have um, taxation with representation. That's what the Revolutionary War was fought over. We need to be able to control our city because we're paying taxes here. So if we're giving away our power to vote and our power to have oversight, it's a very dangerous thing. And on top of it, I'm against private police forces. I'm against private prisons. This is uh, going to create a private police force. It's going to enforce uh, the laws and codes that this private board deems uh, in the city. And it's hurting homeless people. They're hiring people to push homeless people out so it narrowly passed in the city council. Again, there's multiple lawsuits. There's a lot of businesses that are going to have to pay higher taxes now. And they didn't even want this BID in the city. So, right. I'm um, yeah, I'm viewing it as a negative thing is impacting a lot of people in our city. And it's, it's just completely unnecessary and it's unconstitutional in my opinion.
0: Right. So this board, and as you said, they, it would be a select few that are making all the decisions for this part of the city would their decisions also affect the non-BID area as well?
1: Not directly, but indirectly, because they're going to be pushing out, let's say, homeless people from the BID. So they're going to be pushing them out to other parts of the city. They're going to be having a private police force, which to me undermines the current sworn officers that we have in our city. Uh, They're going to be causing taxes to increase to businesses that didn't even want the BID. So, I think, you know, as MLK said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So this is going to impact the entire city. Right. It's, uh, it, it's hurting people and they can dress it up and they can do their propaganda on it. But it, it frustrates me because, again, you know, we as taxpayers here in Chattanooga, we pay county taxes, we pay city taxes. We should be able to have a say-so. Right. We should be able to have democracy. Um, we do have a constitutional republic in our in our country, but it's based on democratic principles. And this concerns me because instead of the taxpayers and the people getting to decide what's going to happen downtown, this is going to be a board that is handpicked by the elites that we can't control. We're not going to have oversight over them. So this is wrong. This is un-American. It's unconstitutional. And that's why I'm joining the class section lawsuit that the NAACP has launched against the city over this. And there's also uh, several businesses, business owners that are also suing the city over this.
0: Right. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I wanted to take a moment to talk about coffee. That's right, coffee. And not just any coffee, Anarcho Coffee. The only coffee where you feel free and energized with every sip. Visit AnarchoCoffee.com forward slash P-I-F or use the link in the description to purchase a great cup of freedom-tasting coffee. And by using my link, you will be helping support my podcast. Again, anarcho Coffee it's organically farmed, ethically sourced, and roast to order. This means it's coffee not from a child slave labor farm covered in pesticides or stored in some dirty warehouse for six months before you get it. The day you order is the day it gets roasted, packed, and shipped. Now back to this episode. I mean, I imagine like the smaller businesses in this area, I think I've I saw uh, one of the reports where you have all these smaller boutiques and small mom and pop shops that are saying that they're not going to be able to afford the city tax plus this kind of BID uh, association fee. Let's just call it that on top of it. So they would be forced to move out of a place where they've had this business for years yeah, it's discriminatory
1: yeah. against against uh businesses that are their mama pop's. It's uh, an example of imminent domain. Right. And I think that imminent domain is the government infringing on our rights. And exactly. I understand like yeah, exactly. Like maybe maybe for the border wall, if the government is going to be willing to compensate ranch owners for the border wall and the ranch owners can come to an agreement, okay, I understand that. But this is this is an example of taxation representation, imminent domain without the permission of the business owners, and then they're not even financially compensating them. They're saying, hey, we're going to basically uh, seize control of your property, and instead of us paying paying you for it and giving you compensation, guess what? We're going to jack your taxes up because we're giving you so many great things to be wow. included into this uh, this BID. It's completely unconstitutional. Right? I hope that the lawsuits prevail in court, and I'm willing to, to do all I can to try to take this up the chain, you know, um, within the checks and balances that we have in our country to make sure that this doesn't stand because it's, it's morally wrong. And like I said earlier, it's unconstitutional.
0: Right. So you're running for mayor in 2021, uh, would the BID be completely rolled out by then? And if so, what's your plan to roll it back? Well,
1: it's for, it's approved for two years. The city council voted to approve for two years. They voted uh, six to three. Three city council members voted against it. Uh, I'm hoping that it will get overturned before then, but if not, I'll do all that I can. And it comes down to the city council, and that's why I'm trying to build alliances in the city council now and meeting with some of them and talking to them and trying to build uh, alliances with with city council members who I feel are are ethical and intelligent and want to look at things um, you know from a fair perspective.
0: right. Now when they propose this BID, I mean normally in government when something is proposed is usually because there was a problem beforehand and they had they try to come up with a solution. Was there an issue in Chattanooga that required for this drastic uh, proposal? Short answer
1: is no. The long answer would be the problem that I assume that they have is that they don't like homeless people. They don't like the eyesore of having big businesses with a bunch of homeless people. And the mayor, inhumanely, is looking at homeless people as a problem. And so does Kim White. So instead of them wanting to actually help the issue, they just want to push them out of the BID. And that's one of the main reasons why this was created was because they want to uh, increase problem values and they wanted to attract more you know, big businesses to come in here. So it's a cash grab. It's about it's taking humanity out of the city, and it's putting greed and profit over people. And I feel that the mayor's homeless coalition failed because he hired a lot of people who don't have homeless people's best interest I- I into it. You know, right. people without em- empathy, people who have a ton of degrees and that are friends with the mayor but actually lack the common sense and lack the human decency and the empathy to be able to help the problem. Right. So they're doing things that are counterproductive. They're housing homeless people in places where they're not going to be able to afford. Um, they're housing people far away from their jobs when they have no car to get to their jobs. And they are... I can't even say that they're putting a, a, a band-aid on an open wound. What they're basically trying to do is just hide people from seeing the wounds. Right. And, and it's making the homeless population increase. It's been an abysmal failure. And once again, we have a mayor who just doesn't care. He's all about, you know, he says that he's a liberal Democrat. He's actually a vulture capitalist. Right. Right. Liberal Democrats are supposed to, you know, they champion themselves on fighting for the little guy. This guy is fighting for big business, and he can't run again in 2021 due to term limits. He's going to run for Senate. He's not running for Senate because he's buried in scandals. And I really feel that this is a way for him to try to hold on to power in the city. Uh, He's a powerful attorney. His parents are powerful attorneys. He's a multimillionaire. And by seizing control of his BID, he's still going to be in power even after he can't run again because of term limits. So, and, And this is something where we're not going to have oversight over. That's the main problem that I have with it—is If the BID goes and violates people's civil rights it's going to be very tricky because we're not going to be able to enforce the laws in the same way as in other parts of the city because this is managed by a private board with a private police force.
0: Right. Almost like if it was uh, some sort of private college campus how they have their own police force and they kind of enforce their own rules. Um, Right. Right. So, what, as mayor, what kind of alternate solutions would you have for the homeless? Then that would actually work.
1: I would bring in first off. I would fire all the people that aren't doing their jobs properly, and I wouldn't just hire on nepotism or cronyism. I would hire on who's actually the best at doing the job. Right. You know, I don't care that you uh, that you're my buddy. I care if you can actually do the job. If you have empathy, maybe if you were. You were once homeless yourself, and you know how to dig yourself out of the situation. It's about navigating the human terrain and dealing with people not on a bureaucratic level, but dealing with people on a human level. And then we would sit down and we'd find out, okay, well, why is the city housing you 10 miles away from your job? We need to find a place for you that's closer to you since you don't have a car. We need to put you closer to your to your job and set you up for success. We're not going to be housing you in a motel like the city does that's infested with roaches, rats, prostitution, drugs. We're going to find places that actually will help benefit you and set you up to be successful. And it's going to require money sometimes. We're going to have to raise taxes. I've said that. But we're going to do it strategically. We're going to do it incrementally. And we're going to also get rid of cash bail for nonviolent offenders, which is causing the city $1.7 million a month. In addition, I'm only going to be accepting $34,000, which is the rookie salary. The remaining $128,000 a year out of my salary is going to go directly to helping people. And some people think that that's too good to be true. I'm like, look, I want to, I'm asking people to step up more and pay more taxes to help alleviate the, the issues in our city, such as paying our, our cops more. If we pay our our city police force $5 million more a year, that gives every cop a $10,000 a year raise. So what that's going to do, it's going to help with recruitment and retention of the best officers possible. And that's going to also reduce the civil lawsuits that we get for police misconduct, police brutality, because we're going to have the best officers as opposed to them leaving to go to the Tennessee Highway Patrol, Hamilton County Sheriff's, Georgia State Patrol, we're going to be able to keep the better officers that aren't having these misconduct and police brutality issues that are causing the city millions of dollars in lawsuits. Right. So to answer, to get back to your question about how I'm going to help homeless people, it's through humanity and getting rid of nepotism and cronyism to where we're hiring idiots, putting them into these positions of power. And I've been in city hall and I've seen some of these bureaucrats who don't care about homeless people. We need people that actually care, that aren't just there for a paycheck. Don't want to just clock in, clock out, and actually care about finding pragmatic solutions as opposed to just cashing their check.
0: Right. Uh, how is the kind of I guess community voluntarism in Chattanooga? Because I know, you know, as a me personally being a libertarian, I see that people helping people does a lot more than government helping people. Do you feel that you can like get people to kind of, or encourage them or motivate them to do more for their city and uh, help out people instead of relying on government too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, I'm going to say that we're the most churched city in the country. Us in Salt Lake City have the most churches per capita in the country. The churches haven't been doing enough. I've been calling the churches and asking them to help out with homeless people. They have been skirting their duty, basically saying, oh, we already do that and they don't want to work. The barber shops have been the most generous, and I've offered free haircuts to homeless people. Wow! Uh, so I really want the churches to do much, and I understand that they are hurting for money because I think a lot of young people are sort of disenfranchised from churches because they don't see them doing enough. So I want to try to unite the churches and have them do more. I know there's a lot of great people at the churches. We just need them to step up more. Right. Uh, as far as activism, one of the main issues that's happened in our city, you know, we have a current uh, gang war going on in our city. There's been a huge law enforcement and uh, black community divide. We have 34% African-American population, and a lot of black people in our city are angry at the police. And it's it's, uh, understandable because there has been countless amounts of police misconduct issues in our city. Now, with that being said, the overwhelming majority of our cops are great people, proficient, fantastic officers. But that doesn't make the headlines. What you see on the news every day and in the newspaper is the guys that are getting arrested for, you know, uh, tasing the wrong person accidentally or right. covering up rapes. We've had that going on in our, in our city. Or even raping people. There's been officers that have been uh, accused of, of raping people. So the activism has been great. There's, there's several fantastic activists in our city who are uniting people and picking up trash throughout the city. Uh, one of the, the things that I want to do is I want to plant fruit trees all over the city to where homeless people will have fruit to be able to pick. And I want to sell these fruit trees to donors. So let's say you want to, you want to help your city. Right. we so sell you, sell a fruit tree, hire homeless people to plant a fruit tree, and I'll go out and dig, dig the holes with them. And then you're going to have a plaque that says this tree was donated by whatever, Gondo, whatever your name is. And then every year or every harvest, homeless people are going to be able to go out and pick whatever fruit that we can grow here in Chattanooga. I think it's a great idea. I think it's positive. And it's something that we can do as a city together and as a community is that we can plant fruit trees that homeless people will always have some type of nutrition. Right. Uh, I think we have several homeless shelters at the community kitchen that they do good work. They feed homeless people. They house them. But the problem is that it's dangerous. A lot of people are getting hit with bricks, robbed. Wow. Um, pets is an issue. A lot of homeless people have pets, and the homeless places don't allow their pets to go in. So why I see the city, you know, obviously I want to bring in more Hollywood investment here. I've got a, a background in acting, and I want to try to bring in more investment the same way that they go to Atlanta, the same way they go to Nashville. We're two hours in between Nashville, two hours in between Atlanta. I feel that we can attract more Hollywood investment to stimulate the economy, Bill Gates came down here uh, to Howard Hughes High School and, and did some charity work and donated money. I want to bring in big money here, but I want to do it with humanity. I don't want to do it with greed. Um, I think that the activists are, are doing a great job here, but the main issue that I see with the activists is they're pissed off about the police brutality and the police misconduct. Right. And the, the main way that I see that we're going to help the situation just by changing the culture in the police department
0: mm-hmm. to where
1: I want to make it about uh, more about community policing. This doesn't mean that I want to tie up the, the cop's hands to saying that you guys can't go out and start arresting these gang bangers. But I'm seeing this as a cycle and as a systemic problem. And if we just keep going and arresting um, gang bangers, we're pulling them out of their families to where now these kids are growing up in a single family household without a dad. Right. Who do you think they're going to join? Are they going to join the police department who just took their father away and locked them up for selling drugs? They're probably going to be attracted to, to gangs. Right. So one of the initiatives that I proposed was the uh, the Heroes for Kids initiative to where we're having cops and firefighters and veterans actually met, and teachers mentor these kids who are at-risk youth and do it in a strategic and an intelligent way to where they're not seeing the cops as the bad guys and to where they're having a, a father figure but I also understand the other side of the equation is what the activists are saying is that we have to make sure that we can reduce the recidivism rate to where when we have guys getting out of jail, we can actually get them employment. And right now, these guys are coming back from prison with a the felony. They can't get work. So they're going to go back to their criminal lifestyle.
0: Exactly. For the police portion of it, would you say that maybe holding the, the, the police department more accountable for these people that – for the select few cops that are being abusive and doing these criminal, essentially criminal acts themselves. Uh, We see a lot of cases like in New York with the uh, Eric Gardner case where the cop was employed for five years after he killed him. And, you know, the only thing he got was basically a slap on the wrist and lost his job. Would there be in your, under your leadership, a better accountability process than that,
1: Yeah, so there's two things I want to stress. First off, I want the police to know that I'm going to back them up 100% if they make the right call. I don't want them to hesitate if they're in a life and death situation to where they've got to pull the trigger to defend lives. I don't want them to have to worry about wearing a reflective belt if it comes down to a car wreck and they've got to run out of their car and go render medical aid to somebody. We don't want it to be um, you know black and white issue. There's a lot of nuance here. There's a lot of gray when dealing with situations. So I want the cops to know that I'm going to back them up 100% if they make the right call. All right? Now, what I'm against and I have a zero-tolerance policy for is misconduct uh, that's intentional. Now, what I mean by that misconduct that's intentional is, you know, maybe they have to get out of the car and run out and save somebody's life and they didn't have time to put their reflective belt on. Well, that's a violation of the policy. You're supposed to have a reflective belt on or a reflective vest. But what they did was to save lives. So what I want to do is bring back common sense to policing. Right. That basically, if you did the right thing, the, the moral right thing, I'm going to back you up 100%. If you had to pull the trigger and it doesn't look good for optics because you happen to be a white cop and the guy that you shot was a black gang member and now you know all these pastors come out against you and the national news comes out against you, I'm going to back you up 100%. But if you are out there on the job and you accidentally tase the wrong person, I can't back you up for that. You can't go out. If you're going to be tasing somebody, like we had an officer do, you have to be a hundred percent sure that's the right person. Right. And if you do something like that, then you're fired. I'm going to have a zero tolerance policy for that. If you accidentally kick in the wrong door and you go into the, the wrong family's home and you pull your guns on people, you know, you're fired. And if, if you do stuff like, uh, raping people, then I'm going to make sure that you're prosecuted for it. We're not going to be, um, obfuscating evidence, like what it looks like happened in Chattanooga, to where a cop was accused of raping people, and then the, few, the, the thin blue line took over and people started covering for him. That's not going to happen under my watch. As mayor, I'm going to back up the good cops, and I'm going to fire them and make sure that the bad cops are prosecuted. Enough is enough, you know. I right. will protect. I will protect you if you did the right thing morally. But if if you guys are corrupt and you're doing bad things, you're done. You're, you're fired. You're going to be prosecuted and. I'm not going to tolerate that as mayor. And we have had an administration here that has been more concerned with optics, um, more concerned with protecting people's reputations and um, the city from lawsuits compared to what's doing the right thing.
0: Right. I mean, that's awesome. I think, you know, that's – The problem that a lot of people, like you said, that you're activists there in your city, the problem they see is that there's just not enough accountability. And um, I think if local governments would show that they are holding the bad ones accountable and rewarding the good ones, it definitely is a culture change right there in itself. Um,
1: Right. Exactly. And it shouldn't be about who kisses the most ass. It should be about actually who's out there, you know, doing the right thing. Right. And... Yeah, our city's in turmoil right now because you have a politician who just doesn't get it. Like He just put out a new policy right now wanting to make fire departments kind of like the go-to center for opioid addiction. Addicts should be going to hospitals, meeting with psychiatrists, meeting with mental health professionals. We don't need to be sending addicts to firehouses. It's ridiculous. And it's just another opportunity for him to do a photo op.
0: Right. It's, it's just a lot of stuff
1: like that. And, you know, there's been a lot of fraud, waste, and abuse in the government to where millions of dollars has been mismanaged on the city budget. We have a lot of money here in Chattanooga. We got $262 million in our annual budget. There's $28 million to fix potholes this year, but they're not giving the, the police any raise. Right. No, no raise whatsoever. So, of course, these, the good cops we have are going to leave. They're going to go to the sheriffs. They're going to go to the Tennessee Highway Patrol. And then we're stuck with a lot of people here who are disgruntled and they're going to do the bare minimum. I totally believe that if you, if employees feel happy, they're going to go the extra mile.
0: Right. I mean, that's sort of more of a, you know, running a good business, right, is like you said, employees that are happy, they usually do a better job. We see this with, you know, big corporations and, you know, it makes sense to do it in a local government as well. We're running out of time because I know you you got a lot to do. Uh, just uh, the last few minutes, if you can give us a plug-in on where how to support you and how to support your community.
1: Yeah, well, I'm very grassroots. And some people think that's unprofessional. But I think what separates me from other people is that I'm actually out in the city walking around. um and talking to people, you know, wearing a T-shirt, wearing shorts. So for me, there's there's no fancy place to support me. Just find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Andrew McLaren, and you know, tell me your ideas. I'm, I'm wrong sometimes, so I want to hear from you. I want to hear people's ideas and solutions and even criticism because sometimes the criticism makes me reevaluate everything and realize that there's a a more pragmatic solution. So just find me on social
0: media. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for. Coming on my podcast is a great privilege and I'm excited to see how your campaign goes. We still have a little bit, but I mean, you're already hitting the ground running. So I think that's awesome. And I think people should be following up with you and, um, you know, checking this out and hopefully we see some great changes and be an inspiration for other communities.
1: Yeah. And I just wanted to commend you. You know, when I heard you were a veteran and you have your own podcast, I think that's outstanding. We need more people to, to step up and do their civic duty whether it's running for office or serving in the military or having a podcast to discuss ideas on how to make our country better that's how we're going to fix our country is by not sitting back on the sidelines and actually getting into, into politics and into the discussion.
0: Thank you for that and I appreciate it and this is Andrew McLaren thanks again for being on Pace and Freedom
1: Hey thanks so much